Well, welcome everybody. My name is Doug. I'm one of the pastors here at Plum Creek. We're glad that you uh, have chosen to be with us for uh, this time that we're together this morning. And thanks as well to those of you that are Saturday night crew. Uh, thank you for uh, your flexibility and helping us to be able to uh, give all of our volunteers and staff a little break on Saturday. So we appreciate your flexibility. We'll go back to our normal uh, our normal uh, schedule next weekend. So thank you for doing that. If you're a guest with us, thank you so much for being here. If you're in town or maybe this is your first time here at Plum Creek, we're glad you're here. We don't ask a lot of our guests. One thing we ask is if you haven't filled out one of our contact cards, if you would grab this from the chair back in front of you, we would love to have record of your visit. So if you could grab one of these cards, fill out the information that we ask for on the inside. Uh, we would love to uh, have record of your visit. And we'll follow up this week with a phone call and a letter thanking you for being here and seeing if you might have some questions that we could answer as well. Our ushers are getting ready to help us with our offering this morning. If you're a guest, we don't want you to feel obligated to give at all. That's not what this is about. Uh, there is an envelope uh, in the chair backs in front of you that outlines four easy ways that you can give. You might want to grab one of those and take it with you. As uh, we head to the end of the year, I know some of you are wanting to make sure that your contributions get recorded for tax purposes before the end of the year. Make sure that, that you get that to us uh, before the end of this month. And then also, you know, we've been working hard together to uh, push towards the finish line for our special Christmas fund. Our goal this year is $90,000, and I don't have an update update because everybody was out of the office uh, this, uh, the end of this week, but I know we're over $60,000. I know that for sure. So we're getting close, and I know we're probably much closer to 90. Yeah, praise the Lord. 100% of that is going to go right back outside of the four walls of our church to support uh, some different ministries that we feel the Lord has called us to be uh, supporting this year. So please uh, make sure if you haven't yet done that. Our goal was that every single family would do $50 per person in their family to help us to be able to push to the finish line of 90000 I know that not everybody can do that. Some can do more. That's okay. If everybody does something, I really believe that we're going to get there. So thank you for helping with that. Well, our ushers are going to come now and... Uh, and uh, help us with our offering. And while they're doing that, I'm super excited. Uh, this has been a great Christmas for us. My uh, older brother Matt and his family have uh, been in town. Uh, at, he had to do Christmas Eve in Salt Lake. And so as soon as they get done with Salt Lake uh, Christmas Eve services, they flew here on Christmas morning. So we've had a chance to hang out with them and have some family in town. So that's been awesome. And Matt has spoken at Plum Creek before. Uh, back in the movie theater days, and he was here for our grand opening a year ago or so, uh, but he hasn't had a chance to speak here in the new facility. So for those of you that don't recognize him, this is my big brother, and can you guys do me a big favor? Give Matt a super, super huge Plum Creek welcome. Wow, I, I just love Christmas. It's great to be here in Colorado. Um, Colorado looks a whole lot like Utah, except we actually have mountains right at our uh, back door. Uh, so, but anyway, it's great to be here with you. I can remember walking around this building uh, several years ago when it was, what, a bowling alley and a, a steakhouse, um, and it's great to see it uh, turned into a church and to, to see you guys here today. Uh, I know you probably have had a great time uh, getting together with family over Christmas. Um, we've had a, a wonderful time together. The Miller family's all kind of converging here and just kind of laughing and reflecting over different things. Uh, Doug, I just, I'm going to give you a little secret. He shared with me that he uh, pulled uh, his back out of place 
uh, here recently getting out of his chair from a staff meeting. Yeah, right, right. That's what I thought. And so I figured it would be good for me to go ahead and begin to explain to him a little bit of some of the things that you can expect uh, getting old because I am a little bit older than him. Uh, We used to have really massive six packs, um, but those slowly but surely begin to disappear uh, and they are covered in a thick layer of insulation, which you need to wear with pride uh, because that keeps the six pack cool, right? Uh, Also, uh, blindness is right around the corner. I have found myself going to the dollar store, the family dollar, and buying uh, the, the kits, the sets of like six reader glasses. And I leave them all around the house uh, because I, I am going blind. Actually, Doug and I are probably going to start learning Braille here in 2015 because if things continue, the trend continues, it's going to be really bad, right? <laughs> the other thing is, eventually you look down at your feet and you realize that your toenails have turned into Pringle chips and that, that is just one of the most awful things that anyone could ever imagine but it does happen, it hasn't happened to me yet but I've heard, I've heard from people that this is around the corner. Um, the other thing is um, Doug has already, I didn't have to advise him of this, he's already started to grow and throw and it looks good on you. Um, but. I am just going to soldier on, if you're okay with that, just trying to go with the cool hairstyle. It, but it just gets worse, Doug, as we get older. Hopefully your back is feeling better. Do we have chiropractors in the house? Um, business cards probably could be left right here in the altar area at the conclusion of the service. But really, honestly, this morning, you're probably at a time, you know, with a year coming to an end, where you're, you're reflecting and you're thinking about where you are. Uh, some of you are thinking about your retirement accounts, your bank account, uh, maybe the new home, the dream house, uh, finances. Maybe you're stepping on the scale and getting a little nervous at the weight that's been put on in uh, 2014. But today, if we can just take about 20 minutes, I'd like us to assess where we are with Christ, where we are with Him in our relationship. And to do that, I'd like us to look at one verse. It's found in the book of Hosea, chapter 10, verse 12. And we're going to make some observations of this passage um, and see what it is maybe the Lord could speak to us about our relationship with him. And here's what it says. Plant the good seeds of righteousness, and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, For now it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. What kind of seeds have you been planting in your life over this last year? What kind of harvest have you reaped in your marriage, in your workplace, in your relationships? If you're like me, it could be better. It could be. But you know, that's not the focus of this passage. The focus of this passage is about our connection and relationship with Jesus. And as I reflect on it, I ask myself the question, do I, do I hear his voice clearly in my life? Am, am I able to live a life of radical obedience to him and what he's calling me to do? Do I sense his very presence in the room when I wake up in the morning? Or does his voice get drowned out by the stuff of life? 
Um, I don't know about you, but especially like around Christmas, you are so busy with all of these things to do. And I can remember riding in my truck and seeing that horrific sign, the light goes on, you're running out of gas, right? And I think, well, I can, I can push this a little bit. In Utah, we have really big hills. Uh, actually, they're mountains. And I figured I will just let my vehicle coast uh, down those hills, save on fuel. I'll conserve enough energy to get to the boys' school. I'll pick up my boys and then fill up with gas. And I was doing really well until I was getting on the, the turn, the, the on-ramp for the highway, and I ran out of gas. It's just horrific. How many of you have done that? Come on, let me see. Lift your hand. See, I'm not the only one. And guys, this is awful. It's humiliating. Uh, because usually my wife does this, but <laughs> I had to call her on the phone and say, um, Leah, can you pick up the boys today? I'm out of gas on the highway. The idea here is that oftentimes we neglect things. We neglect things in our life, and it winds up affecting us. We run out of gas. We run out of gas spiritually. And I think this year, as we conclude 2014, is a great time for us to just evaluate. Where are we with him? You see, there are some things in this passage that we can observe. Plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. For now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. One thing that we see in this passage about God is that he's coming. He's going to shower goodness. And the question, though, for me is what does my heart look like? What does my heart look like? Is my heart actually prepared to receive what he's about to do in 2015 or is it going to pass me by? You see, there's action that's called for in this passage. There's action because God is on the move. God's part is that he's coming and he's going to shower on us unfailing love, approval, acceptance. All of this is there for us. His thumbs up, right, with our life surrendered to him. The question is, will that find its way to my heart? Is there something that could be blocking the goodness of God in me? My part is to plow up the hardness of my heart and seek him, and then I'll discover him. The the other thing that I notice, and this is the hard part of this verse, is that I notice there's hardness in my heart. There's hardness that comes, and it really gets that way out of indifference or neglect, self-centeredness, entitlement, pride, a critical spirit or unforgiveness that finds its way into me. And so we can find ourselves at the end of 2014 caught in some kind of a spiritual inertia. And that comes because we fail to apply the truth of God. And it's time for us as a church, it's time for me to begin to apply the truths of God's word. So often we're content with coming here to Plum Creek with hearing a great service, hearing a great message that convicts us, that challenges us, and we get, we're content with almost a surface disturbance in our spirit, right? And we walk out convinced, hey, I've got to do something, but nothing ever happens. Hosea talks about this in chapter 6, verse 3. He says, Oh, Israel and Judah... What should I do with you, asked the Lord, for your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears like dew in the sunlight. You see, so often in my life, I'm content with listening to truth or reading God's word and never really applying it. 
we get disturbed and we have a sense of conviction in our life and we see the rightness of God's word as we look at it. It points out our desperate need for God, but then we never do anything about it. It's that red light flashing in the car that we decide not to fill up and then we're running on fumes. You see, you're in a service, you're convinced you've got to do something, and then we walk out the door and it disappears. You see, we keep ourselves so busy with stuff that we don't reflect on where we are. Now, as uh, Doug's kids over here were showing me this new app for the phone, and it's called uh, Trivia Crack, right? It's fantastic. I just put it on my phone. I've been playing this game, Trivia Crack. It's, it's, I, they don't call it crack for nothing, right? And you connect with all your friends, you, you're playing this trivia game, and it's so beautiful, you need to download it right now. As a matter of fact, just put it on your phone and, and play trivia with, with Pastor Doug all week long. It'd be fantastic. But the idea is we do these games, we do all this stuff. Remember, before it was this Angry Birds. And you do Angry Birds, you do Angry Birds in the bathroom till your feet fall asleep, right? It's just like you keep doing all this stuff, and we do all this stuff, and it keeps us from focusing on what really matters. You see, we walk through different difficulties in life. A family member dies or we have a, a difficult situation. And I think a lot of times that could, just could be God trying to get our attention, right? To focus on him. Some of you are, and isn't it amazing when you come to this church, there's so many people doing things, right? It's fantastic. There's ladies carrying coffee. There's people greeting you. There's people parking you. There's this incredible worship team up here. All these people are doing these things, but I realize in my own life that a lot of times I can do the work of God, but it kills the work of God in me. We can get so busy doing and doing that we're not being with him. And so I think those things begin to bring an, an inertia in our life. The other thing is that we, we fail to self-examine ourselves, right? We fail to really take a look at ourselves, or we might do that and just become so totally depressed, right? How many of you do that? You see, when we examine ourselves in light of Scripture, it should help us move towards the empowering, forgiving Jesus, right? That's what he wants us to do. I think for me in my life, this is one thing that I need to work on. A lot of times I fail to realize the possibilities and the potential of what a life with Christ really is about and what is available to me this side of heaven. You see, some of you have had an amazing year. You've crossed the line of faith with Jesus. You've come into a relationship with him and a lot of times that's all the farther we go. You see, it's time for us to pursue God even more. It's time for us to seek him because there's more for us. There's more available to us than just saying a prayer and coming to some kind of intellectual assent on some kind of Bible verse. God has something more for us. Saying yes to him and embracing him as your savior, it really, it really is an open doorway to the greatest adventure we could ever encounter in all of life. And God wants us to move into that, not just simply belief, but actually living and experiencing and being in a relationship with God. That's the difference between religion and Jesus. You see, it's interesting, in Ephesians chapter 3, the apostle Paul's kind of hinting at this in his prayer for his church. You know, he was the pastor of the church in Ephesus for about three years. And, and I know this is Pastor Doug's prayer for you. Listen to this. When he thinks about the goodness of God, he falls on 
his knees and he prays to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on the earth. And I pray that from his, glor- his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. And, and, and that's a lot of times where I stop. Look at what's next. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong that you may have the power to understand as all God's people should. That means that not all of us do, right? How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Experience it, not just talk about it, not just read about it, but to experience his love for you. Though it is too great to even understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. He goes on, Paul goes on and he talks in Philippians 3, he says this near the end of his life, that he wants to become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness. Listen, I no longer count on my own righteousness. I get so caught up in doing stuff in order to win the favor of God when I already have it. God wants us to move past that. Or somehow, I think if I give my life to God and to the church and to tell people the truth of who he is, that'll somehow make up for the sacrifice he had to do to win me to himself. Am I kidding? Am I kidding that I can honestly think I can somehow measure up to that? You see, so Paul at the end of his life says, I don't count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Can you believe that? That the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us in our life? Sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. And just if we start thinking that Paul really is this guy who's really out there and he's really made it, he goes on and he says, hey, listen, I don't mean to say that I've already even achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, brothers and sisters, I haven't achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past. Some of you here need to forget your past. Just forget your past. God has. Forget your past and press on. Press on toward the goal. You see, I get too satisfied in my life. I get too satisfied with where I am. I get contented. I think I'm okay. I think, hey, I'm really a good person. But apart from God, I'm poor, I'm blind. You see, it's just like the gas tank. I'm going, I don't even see the light shining, but guess what? Your spouse knows. Your spouse knows where you are. Your friends know where you are. Listen to them. Allow them to speak into your life. Allow them to challenge you. And God knows where you are. In Revelation chapter 3, God is speaking to us as a church, to us as individuals, and he says, you say that you're rich that you have everything you want, that you don't need a thing, and you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So I advise you, buy gold from me. We spend our time and our resources and our energy on stuff that doesn't even matter. And God wants us to pour and invest 
and him and his kingdom, who he is, and he'll pour his riches back into us. He goes on and he says, I will put white garments on you so you will not be shamed. I will put ointment on your eyes so that you'll be able to see God wants us to move into a fullness with him. Where are you with God? It's time. It's time for us to, it's time for me to pursue him. You see, we get more concerned with results than the glory of God. You know, I work really hard for him, but so often I leave him alone in my personal life. Or I ask for his blessing and never really seek him. Or I get very irritated and upset at the sin that there is in the world. And my heart doesn't break because people have not experienced the glory of God. You see, you can't manufacture God's glory. You know, the Bible talks about how there was thousands of years ago, there was a group of people just like us gathered in, a, in, a, in the temple. And the priests were doing their thing and the music began to play. And the Bible says that the glory of God came down. And it was so strong. It was, the presence of God was so thick that everybody had to stop doing what they're doing. Don't you think that God would want to do that right here at Plum Creek? I think he would. Are we asking him? Are we asking him to? Are we, are we calling on him to do that? Is that really even what we want? You see, it's time. He's already promised that this would happen. Do you believe that? He promised that his glory would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So why not Plum Creek? God could do it. Why not in me? You see, the part of the problem is that I get so busy doing my stuff that there's a lack of concern for the lost. And that causes me to live a life of prayerlessness, even as a pastor, and God calls me to do that, to care. So how do I do this? How do I plow up this ground that I've left fallow, the the ground that's been hard? What are the things that I'm to do? Well, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says this, It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. You see, a lot of people wind up blaming their lack of success or closeness with God on everything else but themselves. And what Hosea and Hebrews tell us is that the key factor, really, on how you're going to embrace and sense God's presence and have his fullness inside you depends more on you. It depends on you. You've got to seek him. We're the ones who are responsible for how close to God that we get. How much of an adventure right, that we experience with Jesus depends on how much we seek him. You see, this verse, to seek, means that we're to seek with with all of the power and might and strength and passion and determination that we have, that it literally exhausts us of our strength in our search for him. That's the kind of seeking that God's calling us to do. And if we neglect, neglect will never get us anywhere. So it's time. It's time for me to admit. It's time for me to confess. It's time for me to humble myself. It's time for me to abide in Christ. It's time for me to wait on him. It's time for me to listen and to obey. You see, the question, though, here is how do we do this? How do we do all those things? The last thing in the world I want to do is give you another thing on your to-do list because you're busy enough. But I think if we can encounter the love of God, If we can actually see God 
in a new light, if we can see him from another angle, another perspective, it might just inspire us to do something, not because it's something we have to, but it's something that we, we just, our hearts burn to do. You see, the book of Hosea is an interesting book because God does something that doesn't make sense. God comes to the prophet and he tells the prophet Hosea, he says, Hosea, I would like you to go and marry a prostitute. Come on, God. You have got to be kidding me. That just doesn't make sense. And as Hosea is in conversation, probably unique conversation if you get the drift, Hosea is in conversation with God God communicates to him that your life is going to be a living picture of my love for the world, my love for my people. And Hosea goes and he meets Gomer and he marries her. He rescues her out of a life of trafficking and he brings her home to his house and they have three kids together. And guess what happens? She leaves. She leaves and goes back to prostitution. And in in Hosea chapter 3, God says, Hosea, it's time. Hosea's like, what? God says, it's time. Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again. And you're like, what? Are you absolutely insane? Go and love your wife again? She's crushed me. She's broken me. I took her in and she left me. She's selling herself to other men. Are you kidding me, God? He says, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. Can you imagine Hosea saying, okay, God, I'll go. And something happens into his heart and he goes to pursue this woman and he goes to the, to the back alleys. He goes to the rough places and he's searching for her. He's searching and he's looking for her. And then he finds her. And he looks her in her eyes and she can't even look at him Because she left him and here he is. He's pursuing her and it's blowing her mind. And he looks at her and he, he sees her with eyes of love. Other guys have bought her to use her, but he's here because he wants to bring her healing. And he says, all right, how much? He, she's his wife. She belongs to him. And he says, that's my wife. And the guy who's in control says, it doesn't matter. She's mine. You're going to have to pay. And he says, well, how much? And isn't it interesting that he pays 15 shekels. He pays barley and wine. And our Jesus was betrayed for a few shekels. And he said, this is my body, the bread that's broken for you. And here's the wine that I will spill for you. You see, Hosea bought her back. 
He bought her back and he carried her back home. Someone who had rejected him, who had been in rebellion to him, and he carries her in his arms back home. And that's the same thing that's what Christmas is. Christmas is God saying, it's time. It's time and I'm coming to rescue, to search, and to find you. You've been in rebellion from me. You've raised a sword and you've, you've reached out to hate me and to turn against me and I'm coming to pursue you. I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to win you back. You see, a lot of you have guilt and shame for what you've done in your life. You see, I'm no different than Gomer. I'm just like her and God is like Hosea who comes in his love to pursue us, to win us back to himself. And that changes everything, man. That changes everything in our life and how we view and perceive God, how we see God in our life. And look at how Hosea ends this this chapter 3. He says this, Afterward, the people will return and devote themselves to the Lord their God and to David's descendant, that's Jesus, their king. In the last days, they will tremble in awe and fear of the Lord and his goodness. So as we begin 2015, as we start this year, instead of being afraid of the cosmic cop in the sky who's looking for you to mess up, or he's waiting to come down hard on you, would you be in fear and awe of the wonder and goodness of God that came to rescue us when we were so far from him? And as we do that, as we embrace that truth deep into the soul of who we are, it helps us to worship him fully, undivided, not as spiritual adulterers, but instead we worship him for his goodness and his grace and his love and his mercy because he comes up to you and he says, hey, follow me and I will make you to become something you never dreamed possible. I will make you to become a fisher of men. You'll capture people. You'll change people. You'll be part of this process with me. You see, that's what Jesus said. We'll worship him fully and we'll spend less on the junk that the world holds out that's supposed to fulfill us. We'll spend less on that garbage and instead we'll invest in what really matters and what's eternal and what will last forever. And you know what will last forever? The people around you. They have eternal value. And not only that, but we'll give more toward the kingdom of God and we'll love everyone. Why? Because we realize that God loved me. God loved me. Father, help us this year to see you in a new light or to see you in the same light with greater dimension and depth than we did when we bowed our knee and surrendered to you for that very first time. Father, today... We say that we're sorry. We're sorry for wandering from you. We're sorry for focusing on things that the earth holds out that have value and significance when you are the only one who has true value. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for coming and buying me off the block, off the slave block, and setting me free from the chains that bind me and giving me new freedom, freedom of relationship with you. 
Please, God, come into our lives, direct us, motivate us, help us. Help us to have a life that's motivated out of a a fear and reverence for you, who you are, because of your goodness to us. Would that be a driving force for us in 2015? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.